This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumping Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout with Michael Bumpus, Shannon Dreyer, and Stacy Rost. We begin The Dugout 1-2, to two, all Mariners talk with the Scott Service Show. The Skip joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Skip, how's it going? I'm doing great. How's everybody over there today? Uh, well, we are well-rested, which I would imagine you and the club were unfortunately not. Still a stellar way to wrap up that series uh, with a win. Out of curiosity, when did you guys actually fly out of Cleveland? Oh, gosh. We left the uh, we left probably about 12.30 Oof. East Coast time, something like that. So it was late, you know, by the time you get everything out of there. And everybody's pretty excited after that win over there. We had a heck of a road trip. It was a lot of fun. And great to get back home, uh, you know, Quick turnaround with the day game yesterday, but, uh, you know, we were right there at the end and quite get the big hit when we needed it in the uh, eighth or ninth inning, but uh, good effort by our guys, but we're looking forward to getting back out there tonight. Scott, something that we haven't talked about yet because you guys are so take it day by day, which uh, I get, and a lot of lessons are learned in that, but how much is momentum a factor at this time of the year? Oh, I think it's a really big factor. I think it's super important that you're playing your best ball. Um, you know, as you get towards the end of the season here in, in these meaningful games and then hopefully beyond that into the playoffs. So um, the goal is to get into the tournament, get into the playoffs. And then oftentimes when you get in, it's the team that's at hottest, you know, at that time. And certainly offensively, I think the teams that do get in, you know, they, they lean on, on really good pitching, you know, and then have really good bullpens. But it's the teams that can put some things together offensively. I think that's what you saw the Atlanta Braves do last year. They got hot offensively and it carried them. Scott, I was talking to Stacy earlier, and we compared the 14-game win streak to the 6-0 and um, road trip streak. And I said this one felt more important just because of the timing of, of this win streak. How, how would you assess the two? Uh, I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would assess it. it. <laughs> uh, first of all, all win, all win streaks are important. I don't care when you get them. But, uh, you know, that... That run we had into the all-star break is critical. I think at that point in the season, you know, you're a couple weeks away from the trading deadline. All teams are trying to figure out where they're at, where their ball club's at, and can they put a run together. And they really need to play good baseball there as a team because I think that helps uh, the front office in making decisions and where they want to go and ownership, you know, and how they feel about the team. So all win streaks are important, but uh, I think the the one right before the All-Star break was maybe a little bit more important in, in my mind. Now, that was a huge turning point for the season. Was there another catalyst outside of the win streak uh, to cause just the turnaround that you guys have had? Oh, I think there's a number of things, and I think there's a number of players that have been involved um, in doing different things, whether it's been on the field or in the clubhouse. Um, you know, it's it's what it takes. It's such a long season that there's not just one person, um, not myself, not a coaching staff, not a particular player. It's a group of people that, you know, try to, you know, get the most out of each other. We've got a really good group here. Um, I love our players and kind of how they have bonded together, and they do a great job of holding each other accountable. And when that happens, then you become, you know, something a little bit bigger than themselves, and that's what we're seeing play out right now. So, uh, that's what the, the beauty of our team is, is. It really is a team. Um, everybody focused on just doing their job every night. And if we do that, we know we're going to be in the win column most nights. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's ahead of us here uh, the remainder of September and hopefully into October. 
because I think it's going to be a lot of fun baseball. We've played some great games up to this point, but I think there's a lot more yet ahead of us. Scott, what are the things that you have accomplished in the first four and a half months, first five months that uh, you take forward here? And when I look at this, and I'm a believer in length of season, but there are times when I've been a little bit caught. And we were actually talking about it with Robbie Ray the other day and letting him settle in and not panicking when he didn't, you know, all of a sudden look like Cy Young, you know, at the end of the year type starter at the beginning of the year and the velocity was down. You gave him space. You gave him room to find that. What are some other things along those lines that just had to happen to get to where you are process-wise? Well, I think every team has its its own personality or own identity, if you if you want to call it that. And certainly we did some very positive things here last year in the second half. Um, you know, we ended up on a high note. We didn't get into the playoffs, obviously, but we started to establish some things. But you say all that, and all of a sudden you look up at the at spring training, and now we have – you know, some new faces, some guys that weren't with us last year. So it takes them, those guys, a while to kind of assimilate to what we're doing in our programs and, and our language and what's, what we talk about and what's important and things like that. And then of those new guys that come in, you know, a lot of these guys have experience in the league, whether it's Gino Suarez or, or Robbie Ray or Adam Frazier or Jesse Winker. So, you know, they've been a part of teams and, and teams that have really good, strong leadership. And, it now afforded those guys an opportunity to kind of get to know the people around them, get to know myself, our coaching staff. And, you know, if you're patient and let players kind of figure it out on their own, eventually they start to have a voice. And I think that's critical. You know, the game's about the players. We want the players to hold each other accountable and, and really feel like, you know, uh, they have a say in what goes on here because they're, they're the ones that are getting the outs and getting the big hits. And I think we've done a good job with that. I, I really like the makeup of our team. We've got a good mix of veterans. We've got some guys that will speak up. We've got some young players with a ton of energy and talent. Uh, we've kind of got a lot of the boxes checked when you're looking at what it takes to put a good a team together. And, and we have a good team on the field, but we also have a really good team in the clubhouse. Scott, we were talking about getting the national media to realize, like, this is a good baseball team. This is a good club. Was there a moment, a game, a time during this season to where you looked at the coaching staff, you guys all nodded your heads like, yeah, this is for real. We can do this. Yeah, we played a really good series over against the Yankees uh, in, in New York. And, you know, at that time, you know, they're rolling along, and certainly they've had their struggles here of late. But, you know, when, when we fired Luis Castillo out at them that day, and, and I think we jumped on them early. Gino might have hit a home run. We hit a couple home runs early in the game, and we ended up winning the game very convincingly. If I'm not mistaken, it was like 6 to nothing, 6 to one something like that. And I think after that game, we, we, we won two out of three in New York, and you started thinking around like, hey, you know, we're pretty good. And, and I, our team felt it as well. And that's the most important thing. I don't know if you'll answer it honestly, because I don't know that I would. <laughs> but but that being said, Scott, you guys obviously have a, a couple good teams still on the schedule. I mean, the Braves. Do you ever look ahead to a team like that that's a contender and, and wonder, like, how are we going to match up against them? Like, just out of curiosity? Uh, we're playing the Chicago White Sox. I knew it, Scott. <laughs> All right. Uh, I uh, we, we're facing Johnny Cueto tonight, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to beat him. So Fair. nice try. Thank nice you. try. You're trying to loop me in, but uh, I'm not going there. Yes, we do play the Atlanta Braves this weekend. Um, it is on my board here. Um, it should be a good series, but right now the focus is on the White Sox. So I probably shouldn't ask you about the record and what you've done this year and where it could end up. We'll talk about that at the end of the season, I imagine. But I I think you've seen some of those numbers that have come out, and you uh, have all along said that this group has a chance to do something very special. Is this what you were imagining to this extent? I mean, when, you know, June 21st is, is the 
state that everybody looks back to. And you can't say it, but I'll say it. I think you might have broke the Yankees. You know, it just hasn't gone right for them ever since. <laughs> but when you look at that, it was funny because, I mean, if you were looking at just raw wins and losses and you broke it down, it's like, wow, they're going to have to win at a pretty tremendous clip to kind of pull themselves out of this right now. And they ran at, you ran at a ridiculous clip that I'm sure you saw Larry Stone's numbers the other day and compared it to the, the 2001 team in 116. Is that what you had in mind in, in trying to get to where you are right now? No. <laughs> I, gotta be, you gotta, I love the questions. And the in-depth, uh, look, you guys take at things, but um, that would be a foolish mistake by myself or anybody that's coaching a team that plays a, a long season. And you really can't get caught up in, okay, if we can, and it's the biggest issue that a lot of players have, you know, if they get off to a slow start in a season, you know, and you start, okay, my next 50 at bats, if I can just get 24 hits and then I'll be at this number. And that, that is the wrong way to go about it. And, uh, you know, I tried not to do that as a player. I wasn't good at it, but I've gotten a lot better as I get older of not doing that as a manager. And don't look ahead. You really have to focus on winning series. I know you guys tired of me saying that. But if you win two out of three and you win another two out of three, another two out of three, you look up and that's a pretty good run, you know? So just focus on winning series is what we've tried to do here. And along the way, you might get lucky and sweep somebody and then sweep somebody else. And you look up and, hey, this is pretty cool. We got it going on. So I really don't look at the big number, the big picture like that. Um, and I don't think it's healthy to do that when you play so many games and there's going to be so many different things that happen within your roster and, and keeping all the guys going, you really want to focus on a day at a time and a series at a time. And that's really what we've done here. So probably not the answer you wanted, Shannon, but that's the truth. That's how we, that's how we roll over here. Scott got a random one for you. My compadres called me weird. Me and my quarterback had a pregame ritual oh that we oh. used to do. Pump, you're gonna just wondering, up. I'm not going to give the specifics. I'm just wondering when you were a player, did you have any pregame rituals that you stuck to? Or have you seen any, any interesting ones as you, in your days as a, as a skip? Oh, yeah, we've all have those, and I still have them as a manager. Uh, they've changed a little bit but as a player. But, you know, when you do the same thing over and over and over, like basically for seven and a half months, you're going to do things, you know, very uh, systematically, I guess is the best way to put it. So, you know, everything is to the, to, you know, to the first pitch, to the time, to the clock, and then you're working back off that. So when you get to the ballpark and when you eat your lunch and when you go over the scouting reports and when you have your meetings and, you know, it just becomes so like routine orientated that you're going to start to develop some superstitions along the way. And I'm as bad as anybody. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I go to the dugout every night at the exact same time. You know, I, I'm doing the exact same things every day. And it especially gets uh, kind of over the top when you start winning you know, four, five, six, seven, 14 games in a row, it'll drive you crazy. You know, what did I do yesterday? I have to do the exact same thing again today. You know, it's just part of the game, and I don't think that's ever going to change. And our players are no different. You know, you see them doing, uh, you know, in their routines and how they go about it. I think routine is very, very important in our game. And you, you can't become slave to it. You have to be open to making adjustments to it at times, but not in the middle of a winning streak. You want to stay with it. And, and our, our guys, they all have the certain things that they do. There's no question about it. And just wait until Bump tells you about his pregame routine that I almost worried he would talk about. But that, we'll save that one for another day, Skip. Hey, oh, I, I guarantee I've seen someone can blow his out of the water. Let me believe. Let me tell you. Scott, I think everybody really enjoyed, and this is kind of out of routine, and sometimes you break the routines, but you had the NFL flight. They put the pictures out there. We, we, we saw the suit. Um, and the suit was very much appreciated. People really, it got rave reviews. Loved it. I like the hair. Um, how, when, 
Um, why? Where? <laughs> how, how did you come to be in possession of this suit? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, you never know when you're going to need a, a suit like that. So sure. it's something everybody sure. everybody should have one in their closet um, just to break out whenever you need it. But, uh, you know, we've done some different theme things, and now it's got to the point the players come into my office and say, hey, Skip, let's do this on this day, or let's do this on, you know, dress up on this day, which is great, and that's where it needs to come from you know, from the players, but they'd had their fantasy football draft that night uh, when we got over to Cleveland. So I think it was Eric Swanson that threw out the idea, hey, we need to do the Jersey Day. And I'm like, sounds great, man. I'm all in. So, of course, I had to go to my closet and pull out my favorite suit and put it on. And I know it didn't go that well with some folks, but, you know, you got to stay true to who you, your hometown team or whatever you want to call it. So uh, that's what I had to do. But I'm curious to how that got in your closet. I mean, did you get it for your wedding? I mean, what? <laughs> how do you? I mean, you're saying, I need a Green Bay Packers suit. I mean, <laughs> well, there's this, you know, I don't know if you, the, the biggest pro shop I've ever been in in my life is called the Packer Pro Shop. And it's in Green Bay, it's connected to Lambeau Field. And, you know, they send out all kinds of stuff. You get the emails and whatnot throughout the course of the year. And there was a few years ago, it just popped up. There was a suit. I'm like, that's it. I got to have the suit. I don't know when I'm going to wear it, but I'm going to have it just in case. And it has come in play here a couple times. So uh, that's how I got it. I, I bought it uh, online. It was through, the, I think, the Packer Pro Shop at the time. So um, if anybody else is looking for one, I'm sure they got more. All right. Well, I'm sure that our text line will be flooding soon with people saying, how did I, you find that three-piece Packer suit again? And I'll make sure to pass that along, Skip. No problem. Uh, he is the Skipper Scott Service joining us every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Uh, Scott, always a pleasure talking to you. We, we appreciate the insight, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Scott. That's good, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. I appreciated uh, Scott mentioning, hey, if anyone else is uh, here in Seattle <laughs> looking for a three-piece Packers suit, let me know. I'm sure. Very proud of his team. I love that he is a fan. I love that. Yes. I think sometimes in this job and this profession and that is everybody yeah. in it, you can sometimes, believe it or not, lose some of your fandom mm-hmm. and, oh. and when you're doing something every day like that. And to have that, and he is, uh, he'll point out, he is a, a you know an owner. He's a shareholder. He is one of, of of those, but uh, to have that and to wear it that proudly is just absolutely fantastic. There were a lot of Detroit Lions. I think uh, they went to the gift shop. I think they might have forgotten to pack. For yeah. it. I don't think there are that many Lions. <laughs> are you sure? The don't sell them short. I mean, there are. They're an easy to like team. No, I think that maybe one of my uh, favorite nuggets of info from. Uh, this interview was the idea of players going in and suggesting ideas for things. And uh, I'd be curious to know any ideas that were next, any idea that he was like, I don't think we're going to do that yeah. one. Uh, JP, thank you for suggesting it uh, so much. Bring Ty, your dog but, on the yeah. flight trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Some interesting ideas in there. But I think that um, we talked earlier about kind of uh, the AL manager of the year conversation and that Scott service once again may lose out to another AL East manager uh, this time with like the opposite argument that was used against him last year being used for this manager instead. And uh, Bump and I obviously, and I know we're biased, but both feel that uh, service is well-deserving of that kind of recognition. And I think that that sort of culture building is part of it, that being able to, with a team that was at one point 10 games below 500, have guys buy in and make it fun and have uh, routines and Mm -hmm. traditions and new ideas for things. I mean, a good manager leaves space for that. Oh, absolutely. And that for a while um, early on, he was leading with that, that it was important, you know, the get to knows and spring training and the pool table and the clubhouse and, you know, putting the pool table in, you know, it was a spring clubhouse Mm -hmm. and there was one uh, up in Seattle and letting guys be themselves and that kind of thing. 
And there came a time when the players took it over, which was really great to see. And anytime you can get anything from a, a player or a teammate, it's going to be reinforced that much more than if it comes from any yeah. coach, any manager, anything like that. And you, you talked about buy-in. A lot of the things that we're doing or they're doing this year and that we're hearing this year, it really, to me, speaks to buy-in. And it wasn't just this year. With new players, obviously, they have to look around, see, yeah, this works for me, and oh my gosh, this is good. Why were we ever doing it any other way? But for players who have been here before, and I think that there was an adjustment uh, to it. And I think somebody asked me recently, are they all on the same page? And I think they are. And as good as they were last year, I don't think you can say that they all were on the same page. So this has been a process, and it, of course, is set by the manager who sets that tone and then they create that culture. I think people take for granted, like those little things do a lot. Wearing your favorite team, your jersey, you're connecting, you're having conversation. Oh, oh you got the Detroit Lions. How come? Oh, yeah. Julio, you're wearing DK's jersey. You guys are the two hottest dudes in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing the pool table, having the, the dog in the house. Like those little things that create conversation and bond within a team go a long way. Also, let's be real. Those are the things that happen behind the scenes. Everyone can look at service and say, I didn't like that bullpen decision. I didn't like that decision for him to pinch hit this person for that person, right? Like whatever criticism you want to make, but there's so much that managers do behind the scenes. And Shannon, you see this every single day that matters just as much. And sometimes that's what a manager doesn't do. Sometimes it's allowing young players to have more autonomy and create their own culture. And I find it fascinating that that's a way that service has chosen to lead because um, it's it's not like Pete Carroll-esque per se, but I do think it is a more modern twist on management. And you have to remember that he's learned along the way too. When exactly. he first landed in Seattle, he had never been a manager at any level. He'd been in player development and uh, I think he managed a couple of games filling in here and there, but he didn't have his own team start to finish. And I think that a lot of it has evolved. He definitely was going to be player first. Communication was definitely going to be an absolute priority and the most important thing Probably, but we have seen that evolve as, you know, he has seen more and he has learned more and he is somebody that will read the books. He will go over to other teams and see what they're doing. And I think as good as it's been, and if you think about the adversity that they played through during the pandemic season, which was just tremendous on so many different levels, and he could not have handled any of that better. I mean, it was a a, just something Mm -hmm. different every day um, that, you know, could, you know, pit players against players that could, you know, it made, it was an obstacle to everything that they were trying to do. You never knew what was going to happen. You didn't know the state of the world. You didn't know the state uh, of the coronavirus at that time. They were coming to work every day. They were the first one. Baseball was the first one. The NBA started out, but they were in a bubble. Baseball were the, they were the first ones who went back to work and we'll see what happens. You know, that's not an easy thing. And, you know, he kept them together. They were playing without crowds in front of cardboard cutouts. That was eerie. They completely lost that <laughs> part of the game. And then the next year, you know, there was an unpopular trade, and that could have ripped things apart. And that's something that the manager has to end up dealing with and has to handle. And then you look at this year, and again, I just think that it's all coming together. And you have the adversity of, yeah, you've had some pretty big injuries. You've lost some players. You've had almost a complete turnover in your bullpen since the start of the season. And you had a lot of players that were brought in from the outside. So you got to find a way to make that work, make them feel comfortable, and be contributors in the clubhouse too. So to me, I think the job, it's a little bit different every year. And for him, he's definitely grown into it and it's evolved in that time. I but I think we're kind of seeing peak right now. Yeah, I think another thing that, that, that bonding helps with is conflict. Because you're dealing with grown men. 
you know, this team is together. You see them on the field. They're dancing after wins and stuff. Conflict is going to happen within players within the season. Doesn't mean that I don't like this guy. But when you are close and you've been through some things, when that conflict does come up, it's so much easier to get through because you feel like you're in this together. So whenever you're dealing with athletes, with egos, with all that stuff going on, everyone's not going to get along. So these moments wearing the jerseys and being connected help through those moments. Absolutely. And where more do you need it in baseball where it is almost every day for not just yeah. 162, but spring training too. And mm-hmm. there's, there's no time to get away. You don't get your Tuesdays <laughs> or anything <Right>? like that. <laughs> Uh, all right. You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station. Shannon Dreyer joining Michael Bumpus and myself for some insight onto the Mariners. It is going to be all Mariners from one to two today. We are not even halfway through. Lots of good stuff still coming your way. Rick Riz going to join us in just a couple minutes. First, though, let's see what's on tap. Powered by Madden Industrial Craftsman. The Mariners are looking to bounce back in game two against the White Sox. Logan Gilbert gets the start in this one. First pitch is at 6.40 p.m. We're back to six. 40 p.m. first pitch. Let me tell you guys, I am here for it. The 30 minutes there makes a huge difference. Huge fan of that change this year. First pitch at 6.40 p.m. Pre-game show starts at 5.30 p.m. right here on Seattle Sports Station. Again, you are listening to The Dugout, and Rick Riz joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline is Voice of the Mariners, Rick Riz. Rick, how's it going? I'm fine, Stacy. How are you? I'm well. I mean, obviously, this team coming off a great road trip, uh, dropped the series opener against the White Sox yesterday, but you could hardly blame them playing on fumes in that one. Uh, still, what was, uh, when you look back at the road trip, maybe a moment or two that stands out that's made you feel even more confident in this team's postseason chances? Oh, my goodness. Uh, three things stand out. Pitching, pitching, and pitching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys have been so consistent, uh, you know, George Kirby started the ball game, that long, long ball game on uh, Sunday afternoon. Had to come out after three innings. But prior to that, Robbie Ray, six innings, no runs. Luis Castillo, six innings, no runs. Logan Gilbert, six innings, no runs. Marco Gonzalez, six innings, three. George Kirby, five innings, and no runs. And then what that does is it sets up the guys down to the bullpen to do their jobs. And, and Scott Service and Pete Woodworth have been absolutely masterful using that bullpen Along the way, they're getting their clutch base hits. Uh, and the other thing, too, that stood out is they hit the ball out of the ballpark on that last road trip. And even going back to the previous homestand, where they won three out of four against Cleveland here at T-Mobile Park, they scored only 13 runs, but 10 came on six home runs. They won three to one, three to two. They won four to nothing and lost a close one, four to three. So, you know, it's it's been everything. They're putting together everything, the starting pitching, the bullpen, the defense, and and scoring some runs last night. You know, you just got to tip your cap to uh, Lance and Lynn. He had a great outing, and uh, the Mariners had a seven-game winning streak going into that ball game. But they've been playing some great baseball. Scott, we just uh, Scott. <laughs> we just had Scott. Wait, on. Rick, as you know, there has not been a lot of sleep in the last forty-eight yeah. hours. <laughs> just getting ready yes, for. We know. Yeah. <laughs> We uh, ran and ca- caught the same elevator down to the bottom level where you look at your phone and you're like, wheels up in 30 minutes, go. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. here we go. All right. Uh, Rick, um, 
Hi. How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm fine. I got some sleep last night. All right. That's good. I need more coffee. Uh, we were just given some uh, Scott service appreciation earlier on the show. Uh, Bump and Stacy were pointing to the fact that, you know, he is putting up another manager of the year season. And he might not get it because of, uh, you know, some others that are doing some things, too. But you've covered a lot of managers. What is it that you have seen in his growth and his progression as a manager that you appreciate? The communication. Uh, He he knows his ballplayers. He knows what each and every one can do, when they can do it. Uh, He has a great feel for them. He talks to them. He says, hey, you know, when do you need a day off? You know, last night it was Eugenio Suarez getting some time off to get off his feet. Then he pinch hit you know, late in the ball game and end up walking. But he has a great feel for his team and how to use it. And and the most important thing, Shannon, as you know, and, and Stacy and Bump too, you, you got to handle that bullpen. And he's been uh, Arthur Fiedler uh, directing the Boston Pops, you know, getting these guys in there. And to prove it, uh, I can you know, just watch every day. And, and he proves it, how he handles that bullpen with Pete Woodworth and also Trent Blank down in the bullpen, the extra inning ball game in, in Cleveland. And because you don't know if you're you're racing Mother Nature, you don't know if that rain is coming back after a four-hour and 40-minute rain delay. You don't know if it's going to be gone for about five hours. But he comes in thinking that if it does rain in a hurry and it's in the fourth inning, I'm coming out right away with my big guns. And he comes out with uh, Andres Munoz right after the four-hour rain delay. And then right after that, then he puts the pieces of the puzzle together. He just knows his team, how to play the game. As a former catcher, he's got it right in front of him. Uh, but I thought he should have won Shannon the award last year, and I think Scott Service should win the award this year. Rick, a lot of the uh, well, one of the things that I noticed that I think everyone notices with this ball club, he allows them to have fun out there, like to be yeah. themselves. He doesn't want robots out there. How important is that for this ball club down the stretch? Oh, that's huge bump. Uh, I mean, the other day the guys had their fun trip where they put on their favorite NFL jerseys or T-shirts in, and Scott came out with a Packers suit, the shirt, the tie, and everything. So he's, you know, he's lead, leading the way, you know, right there. But it, it's so important because the uh, baseball season is a marathon. It's such a grind, and we're going through it right now. But usually in August, we've, we've heard about the dog days of August. I didn't see it. Shannon, I don't think you saw it as well. They keep, kept plugging away. And in the month of August, they had one of their best months. They were 17 and 10 in August because they were winning. Winning is a lot of fun, but he allows them to have a good time. After every one, you see the guys go out there and do the happy dance. You got the outfielders going out there. And I don't know what the manager and the coaches do, you know, inside the dugout, a bunch of high fives. But this game should be fun. And the guy at the top of the order, the, the kid out there in center field, you know, he's leading the charge with that smile, the way that he plays the game. Uh, and so he, he just reminds us and everybody else on this team too, uh, that, uh, it's supposed to be fun and winning is fun and, and they're having a great time doing it. And, uh, when you're having fun, your talents have a chance to come through. You're not tense. You, you don't have to feel, feel like you got to get a base hit every time. Just get a ground ball to the right side of the infield. Do the little things right. Get a sacrifice fly to the outfield, move a runner along, get a runner in. And, uh, they're doing it and winning is fun and, and I look for this ball club to get to the postseason for the first time in 21 years because they're having fun. How does it feel and how does this team uh, at this point in the season compare to other teams? Because you've overseen all the iterations of Mariners teams that haven't gotten there, right? Like it's, I yeah. can, I mean, it's one thing for me and Bump and Curtis to be like, you know, oh, we were kids and we haven't been able to see it. But um, to be up close 
and to see, uh, you know, where teams, uh, you know, failed or fell short or struggled. Um, and not only that, but to have hope for some of the teams and then see that hope fall. Where does this iteration of the Mariners rank? Does it feel different? Yeah, it it feels, you know, a lot like what I saw in September of, uh, you know, 1995, the way they came back when Junior was gone. Uh, they started winning and winning became fun. And they got to the playoffs for the very first time. You know, without Junior in the lineup, everybody, you know, stepped up and got the job done. And that's what this ball club did in the early part of the season to get to this point, uh, Stacy, because they were 11 and 10 in April. And then they were 10 and 18 in May because they lost guys to COVID. There were injuries. Mitch Hanniger was out for almost 100 days. Uh, the Mariners really missed him. So it, it's a team that really has each other's back. They're accountable. And they do what they have to do. Dylan Moore really stepped up and stepped in when uh, guys were suspended because of the brawl about a few months ago in, in Anaheim. He went out there and played left field for Jesse Winker. He went out there in short to play shortstop for J.P. Crawford. He went out there in center field for a game to replace Julio. But it's got that same kind of feel, but it's also different. Last year, the ball club was just a, a win or two away, but they were fighting to get in it, fighting to get into it, reaching for the teams in front of them. This year, they're out there, and now the teams are chasing them. So I would say there's a different feel this year. And uh, right now, they're doing everything they can in their power to stay in front of, you know, Tampa Bay and Toronto, the surprising Baltimore Orioles, Minnesota, uh, Cleveland, the White Sox. But uh, a lot of the things I saw in 95, uh, 2001, forget about that. They won 20 games in April. They never looked back. You know, they put the pedal to the metal. But this is a real special team doing some special things. Rick, before the season started, I said playoffs were a fair expectation for where this team was. And I think as this season has gotten going, and certainly after June 21st, I think it's okay to uh, put those sure. expectations, uh, raise them a little bit for this team. What, what do you look at the, the potential for this team once get, the regular season ends? Yeah, to get to the playoffs. And I think Jerry Depoto obviously had that in mind. He saw with this ball club and Scott, and the coaching staffs, and the core of the team last year did. That opened up a lot of eyes. When everybody thought, Shannon, the Mariners were going to lose 90, they went out and won 90 games. And that gave Jerry and the, and the front office and the ownership to tell Jerry, go ahead, let's get this good thing going. Let's take the very next step and let it be a big step. And they went out and signed Robbie Ray during the offseason. You know, in November, at the end of November, to the uh, five-year contract for $115 million. They got the Cy Young Award winner, you know, from the Toronto Blue Jays last year. Then you you pull off the deal before the season and what was it, late February or sometime in March. You go get a couple of all-stars in from Cincinnati. And Jesse Winker had a really good year last year. And A. Eugenio Suarez was at more home runs than anybody in baseball the last five years. You add those guys to the lineup to the lineup that you already had. You don't know what Julio Rodriguez is going to bring to the ball club. You hope that he makes the team. You don't know if he's going to play center field. You, you pencil him in as a corner outfielder. You don't know what the other guys are going to do, but uh, Julio stepped up, stepped in. You had those guys, and it was all with the intention of getting to the playoffs. Then, you know, when you, when you have that ability to put together a 14-game win streak, and when 22 out of 25, right before the All-Star break, now you really got to go for it. The farm system was ready to go for it. Jerry went for it, and he got Luis Castile, you know, from the Cincinnati Reds, which have been a great trade partner over the last six, seven months. 
but you add him to the rotation. Now you put Chris Flexen, who won more games than the Cy Young Award winner last year. Flexen won 14 games last year. He's working out of the bullpen. You put together a bunch of guys that are the best bullpen in Major League Baseball right now. You got Perry Hill putting together these guys that are the best defensive team in baseball. And uh, you, you have a team that is going to get to the playoffs. No question in my mind. They believe it, and that's the most important thing. They believe it in the clubhouse before they step on the field. They go out there and play like they're going to win, and they do. Uh, so it's just a fun team to watch. And, and Jerry and the ownership um, went for it at the right time. It, it, timing is everything. They had to be patient years ago to get George Kirby here, Cal Raleigh here, Logan Gilbert here, uh, Matt Brash here. The other guys who have tried to stay here, they're going to get better too. Jared Kelnick is going to be a part of this organization for a long time. And, and Kyle Lewis, they exhibited that patience. But uh, so many things are going right now because they prepared for this opportunity. They went for it, and now they're going to get it. All right, good stuff. He is Mariners play-by-play man, Rick Riz. Riz, I'm like, I, I'm getting all like excited thinking about the playoff odds and the confidence that you have about this team. And I, oh man, bumps already doing like fist bumps over here. Getting really excited. Let's go, Riz. Come on. <laughs> we haven't been there in a long time, there and we're go. so close, and we're going to get there. It's, That's they're, exactly they're right. They're going to get there. Hey, you know what? There's a whole generation of people that haven't even experienced. I mean, Bump, Curtis, yeah. and I were talking about it being our first playoff. Well, at least for me, my first playoff game, and certainly Curtis and Bump as even adults, much less teenagers. So it's it's going to be really, really, really exciting. Knock on one, 99.2% odds from fan graphs. I, Shannon's rolling her eyes like it's close enough. <laughs> he is Rick Riz. Rick, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I want to say thanks to all the fans. The fans have really supported this ball club. Yeah. We're going to have another good crowd tonight. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks, Bumps. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Riz. <laughs> all right, Rizzy. <laughs> thanks, Riz. You are listening to the dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. I, I want to talk about these playoff odds. 99.2% from fan graphs. Uh, also, I want to do two more things. Uh, number one, I want to get some questions for Shannon while we have a Mariners insider in studio with us. So if you have any, text them to the Mac and Jacks. Text line 866 any Mariners questions for Shannon, uh, we'll ask her while she's in studio with us. And I want to get back to our conversations about uh, modern management. I thought it was a fascinating conversation. Going to revisit that, too. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Shannon Dreyer remains in studio with us for one final segment. So if you've got Mariners questions, text them in now to the Mac and Jack's text line 866-979-3776. Michael Bumpus here as well. We've got a couple for you and then we'll see if we have enough time to move the conversation back to management. I just I really like that conversation we were having. Bump is a former player. It's interesting to hear the player perspective of coaching in general. So uh, table that for just a couple minutes. Let me get to some of these questions. Uh, Shannon, what's it like in the dugout after a Mariners win? Um, sometimes there's a lot of gum and Gatorade and ice water okay. flying. And that, and, and it's very messy because all of that stuff lands on the ground in most cases. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's fun. It's really something to see when they go through their high five line. And just even a game that I'm going to admit this. When they're winning a lot, some of the wins just kind of become boring. Really? It's like, oh, they won another game. And it was maybe a little bit of a lackluster game that they won. Uh, You think about the game a couple of nights ago where they won 4-0, but two of the runs scored on walks. And there wasn't really too much. Okay, who are we going to talk to today? What's that going to be like? But you go down on the field, and they are as fired up for Mm -hmm. that as, as... the biggest win ever when they come off the field and they're doing the high fives and they come down 
the line, and usually uh, most of them get a hug from Scott's service at the end. J.P. Crawford is usually going absolutely nuts. He is just fired up at the end of every win. He's a lot of fun to see at the end. Uh, When they did the big circle Mm -hmm. after the walk-off, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a post-game celebration in my life. I turned around and I saw that and I tweeted this, but I just it was like a spaceship. It just landed on the field. And it's like, (laughs) they're doing what? It was just fantastic. Completely impromptu. They are a very joyous uh, team afterwards. Specifically in the dugout, you might see a coach or even Scott Service talking to a player down there. Uh, Maybe they'll have the iPad out and they're going over this was, you know, you did this and this and this or something like that. So sometimes they're still kind of uh, finishing up, kind of going, you know, some post-game notes afterwards. Mm -hmm. You sometimes see that. And if it's a fun one, you got to keep your eye open. Ty France will probably get you with the water. This is the first year. (laughs) Usually it's TV. This is the first year that it's happened, I think, three times on radio. And I'm just not ready for it. Yes. And that's just not fair because I don't see it. As we get into uh, late September, too, it's going to be chilly. It is going to be a chilly, and it's ice water. It's really cold. I don't like that. It's It's already chilly. It's really, really cold. So it's like you have to be ready for that, and I was doing it all wrong, and I asked Jen Mueller for pointers because she's got it down. She knows what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem with me is sometimes I'm blocked by the player. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never obviously looking over one of their heads, but I've been too close the dugout railing and it just made it too easy you got to put a mic at the end of a gopro and just hold it out well i just have to turn around and face the right way so you know (laughs) that could happen again but that's it's a fun you know if you think it's a fun scene absolutely but sometimes they're a little bit extra going on a little bit kind of post-game coaching as well the 253 does shannon like the nickname big dumper (laughs) (laughs) that's a good nickname (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. Um, I'm glad the fans like it. I am glad it is something we are hearing more and more because Cal Raleigh is just doing an awesome job. Yes, he is. And I think that he is just such a great story for the Mariners. He is what they had hoped he would be. When you draft a player and you put him through player development, you kind of have a projection of what you think he should be. And he, for a long time, you know, this is the, up, this is the upcoming number one catcher. You know, and that's a few years, you know, in the minors. So you're keeping an eye on him. Switch hitter, which makes it tougher. You know, it's enough to be a catcher and have to take care of all the pitching. He's got to take care of two swings. But um, for him to come up and figure it out as quickly as he has figured it out and be where he is right now, I think he can be a difference maker, particularly lower in the lineup. And this is something to keep in mind. And this is if you want, I think too far too many people look for things to be nervous about, but this is something to be a little nervous about. They're winning via the home run quite a bit right now. T-Mobile Park is just going to start playing bigger and bigger Mm. and bigger as we get closer to October. So you need them to be able to manufacture a little bit, except for a a player like Cal Raleigh. He's going to hit it out anywhere. Uh, Another question from a listener. I'm skipping work tomorrow to go watch the Mariners game. What should I watch for with Castillo on the mound? I've never seen him live. Oh, enjoy. I mean, you start with the delivery. He's got that little, he, he picks up the leg. Uh, kind of a timing, get everything kind yeah. of into into sync before he goes. And then, I mean, obviously the stuff is ridiculous. If you just want to focus in on what he does, you're not going to find many pitchers who have so many different options, not just in pitches, but where they are going with the baseball. Within you look at the box at home all the time. He can hit any area of that, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, come up with a high-velocity fastball. He's tremendous, but also watch his demeanor. I don't think there's anybody cooler out on the hill. And sometimes he does things that you just you don't expect. Like he will smile after, oh, whoops, a walk, you know, that kind of thing. 
I'm going to get the double play here afterwards. Right. There's supreme <laughs> confidence. He sometimes will, you know, give thanks and, and point to the, the point to the sky after the third <laughs> inning. I mean, it can be anywhere in the game. He's tremendous. All right. Uh, there are more questions that we didn't have time to get to. I will save those for next week and a conversation about uh, managerial decisions we didn't have time to get to. But thankfully, the dugout is every single Tuesday from one to two. And Shannon Dreyer joins us every single time. So, Shannon, we will see you. I mean, we'll see you before next week, but we will see you on air for next week's dugout from one to two. All Mariners. Uh, for Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacy Ross. This has has been the dugout on Seattle Sports Station. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next. Seattle Sports Station is the home of the Seahawks and the all-new KJ Wright Show. The ball is intercepted. KJ Wright reaches up about 13 feet in the air. Number 15. Now every Wednesday with Brock and Salk. Play out like that. Brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. I gave this game every ounce I had in my body. I gave it my heart and my soul. The KJ Wright Show. Wednesdays at 8. On Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Seahawks. This is U.S. Representative Marilyn Strickland from the 10th Congressional District of Washington State. As your representative in our nation's capital, I'm working to make our communities safe and secure while addressing the cost of living. I voted to lower prescription drugs.